So have you been doing interviews all day, I guess, eh? Yeah, it's a pretty long day, but yeah. uh, you're, you're the last actually, but you're, oh, you're, <laughs> but I'm still, uh, I'm still fresh. So don't worry. <laughs> okay, good, good. You know, I don't want to bore you. I imagine it could get a little exhausting having to ask the same thing over and over again. If you, if you come up with great questions, then that, that's even better. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I've, uh, I basically, I have one major question, uh, for you. Yeah. Um, and that is, uh, with the music that Epica makes, it's so big and cinematic. I can't yeah. even wrap my head around how you could even, uh, settle on like a theme, uh, <laughs> let alone get, you know, these massive arrangements together. So I'm just curious about like, cause you, how long the band's been together for 20 years now. Is that right? Almost 20 years. Yes. Almost 20 years. Yeah. So how have you learned to compose this kind of music and how has that changed over the years? Cause it's, yeah, I, I can't even fathom it, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting question. And, uh, there's not really one answer for it because, uh, Sometimes uh, we start like with a guitar riff, sometimes with a keyboard line, sometimes with a vocal line, sometimes even with a small piece of a lyric. Uh, and, and then it's, it's, it's a matter of building it, building it. So it, usually, personally, I prefer to start what, like with a guitar riff, building some drums underneath, and then working on a key arrangement on top of it. And then as the last, adding vocal lines. And when, when you add the vocal lines, you go back and, and start also changing some details in the arrangements again, sometimes because the vocal lines make again uh, uh, the music uh, a little bit uh, different. Yeah. So it's like a very long process. And when it's before it's ended, then it's uh, also multi-layered and it goes also to all the other members and everybody gives their opinion and they change some things, they add some things. So it's sometimes with some songs is a process of like three months or four months before it's finished. Yeah, it, it sounds like it takes um, a lot of discipline, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it does. But, but yeah, I, I personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not so much uh, that kind of a detail guy. So there's some other guys who really love to wor work on the final details. I'm more the guy who likes the, the rough, uh, the, 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 the rough, uh, the scale, yeah, how you say that? The, 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 like when you, have, when you have a painting, I, I like to do the rough thing. And then the others make like the, the final details inside of it. <laughs> yeah, you're the you're the drafter or whatever. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, and I'm I'm just wondering because you, uh, the band is very like specific themes that that you all seem drawn to, um, with the sort of gothic kind of vibes and and the big cinematic uh, yeah. sort of songscapes, if you will. So. What what is it, what is it that uh, this is, and this is a classic question, but but where does the influence um, come from, and and how is it has it resonated over the years? Yeah, I think when you go when I go back to my childhood, I started listening to bands like Megadeth. Megadeth was actually Rust in Peace, my first album I ever bought, so it's a very important one for me. It it, yeah. it, it pulled me into metal music. And with, with that album, I also started thinking like, because I also listened to classical music and film music. And I started thinking like, how would it be to combine these things? And then also some bands started actually doing that, uh, like uh, Orphanage, uh, that was a band from Netherlands who in 1995 already started doing that. And I really got inspired by their sound. So I, I thought, oh, they're doing it. So it is possible actually to combine yeah. classical music and um, metal music. 
So uh, I, I thought I want to do that too. And so my, my, my first band, After Forever, we started developing that style as well. And then also bands like With Temptation came up, The Gathering, and uh, they, it was like a scene of bands starting doing that. Uh, and yeah, when I uh, uh, founded Epica, we continued doing, uh, making this kind of music. So that, that's basically how it developed. And I, I always fell in love, was in love with this style of music and this love never faded away. It seemed, yeah, it seems like a fun like, world to write in. Um, yeah. It feels like you could just keep building. I mean, and it's epic. It's in the name, right? Uh, you just yeah. keep building and building and building. Because uh, yeah. when I was listening to your records, I was like, there's even more instruments coming in here, you know? Like, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going when, on. You, when you listen to an album and, and you listen it for the, for the 10th time, you, you still hear new things. And that's personally what I really like, that, that, that people, for them, it's a, it's a journey, an adventure. And uh, I also like sometimes to listen to some albums what you, when you listen to it once and then you have enough of it. But uh, I, I prefer always the albums when you listen, every time that you listen again, you hear new things. And that's what, what we do with Epic as well. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's wonderful and incredibly ambitious as well. Um, cool. So that reminded me of a question. You were you guys worked with the with the was it the Czech with the Prague uh, Philharmonic? Is that right? Yes. That's how correct. how did how did that happen? Because that's that's a quite a feat. Yeah, the the the, the reason for that was that our producer Joost he worked already with it or, with this orchestra when he was in After Forever when I was already out of After Forever. And uh, also with my other band, Mayan, we worked once with that orchestra uh, for our album, Jana, as kind of a test how it would be. And yeah. uh, that worked really well. And then with, with Epica, we decided to go with this orchestra as well. And with, with Mayan, we had a small budget. So we only worked like half a day with this orchestra. But with Epica, we had three full days uh, recording with them. And uh, so kind of Mayan was a test for, for it. If it would work well, we would do it with Epic as well, and it did. So it's always great to, to try some stuff with Mayan, and then when it works, we can do it with Epica for real. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, that's super cool. I think that's a very, very cool uh, thing that y'all accomplished. Um, so I'm curious also about the, uh, the Attack on Titan record. I'm sure that people ask, have asked you about that quite a bit. Uh, how, did, how did that come about? Because it's a it's a bit of a thematic departure from the previous record. Yeah, that's that's the typical kind of challenge thing that came on our way, and uh, we love to to take uh, up challenges. So our, our Japanese record company they came up with this idea. They said we have a budget for for a band to to work on some some Attack on Titan songs and to have to make metal versions of these tracks, yeah. and they are already pretty uh, pretty heavy by them on their own. Yeah, so it's. So we, we just had to kind of epicanize them yeah. and uh, also the lyrics too, because they are all in, in Japanese. So yeah, we it probably to... doesn't translate directly into the same song. Yeah, them, right? we translated them, but then also gave it a bit of an own approach and an also epica touch with lyric wise. But it was a lot of fun to work on this. And uh, it also it pulls you out of your comfort zone. So you have to do something that you never did before. And that's what we really love doing. Then you refresh yourself. And you 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 avoid it. You start repeating yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, I asked the internet as well uh, if they had any questions for you. 
and I have some here, so I'll, I'm, I'm going to ask you what the internet. Um, there was a couple people curious about uh, the Dutch music scene, um, and if there's any upcoming artists in that world that. Uh, yes, there is actually. Uh, there's, for example, Phantom Elite. There's a really cool band, and uh, it's the 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 band is founded by the by a friend of mine. I was in After Forever with Salma Gomans. And uh, he founded a band, but he's not playing in the band himself. But it's a really cool band. I checked out their, their last album, and it's really great. So uh, for me, that when they ask about a new band from the Netherlands, I would say that one. Okay. Was it, what was the band called? Phantom? Phantom Elite. Phantom Elite. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, there's a lot of questions uh, that I gathered about uh, what you would do if you weren't a professional musician oh there there's many things that i could have been doing uh, for example i studied psychology i'm psychology, a graduate yeah, that's psychologist right. so i could have been working in that field uh, but i also love uh, sports so i could have also um, if i would have been good enough uh, for example become a cyclist yeah. um, uh, even though that is a tough world uh, because there's uh, uh, there's a lot of competition, so I don't know if I would have made it to the to the highest level. I have really no idea. Um, other things that I like is uh, I like to build things, being creative, so like an architect, mm -hmm. but then also design it myself and also build it, building it myself. So I really love to be creative. So whatever in in life, everything that that uh, that includes creativity, I I find myself happy. So there's many things that I like and many things that I could have been doing in, in my life. Um, how has your approach uh, to creativity um, and yeah, do you have any like f specific philosophies that you've learned as somebody who's been able to be professionally creative for as long as you have? Yeah, the, the, because sometimes people ask, where does uh, inspiration come from? And that's a very uh, good question for, for any artist, like a painter, a writer, or a musician. Where does inspiration come from? Because you cannot grasp it. It's just, it's actually like surfing on a wave. That's how I describe it usually. It's like going with the flow. Uh, you feel good and you let the inspiration flow. It's like a, like a universal energy going through you and expresses itself in the art that you're making. And that's a beautiful thing. You only, the only thing you have to do is letting it flow. And at, at a certain point, you learn how to let it flow. So uh, I am never without inspiration. Whenever I've, I, I love doing something, the inspiration comes up automatically. So I sometimes hear about artists who are falling in this black hole, like without inspiration. And I'm luckily never in that uh, position because I always find a way to make that... Uh, inspiration flow whenever I wanted to, to flow. Riding, riding the wave. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always thought too, like the, I think the key to staying creative is, is if you find yourself in a slump or in uh, writer's block or whatever to yeah. not get frustrated with yourself and understand that yes. it'll just come back rather than forcing yourself to make something when you don't want to. And I think no, that's actually no. a really good way to open yourself uh, to yes. be inspired by and, I, I always think too, and, and maybe you, you probably have some thoughts on this. Um, if you feel your chosen creative medium, if you know what I mean, um, 
if you feel like it's not working for you to just switch, just try a new one. Um, yes, exactly. If, if that's something you've ever done, uh, moving from music to another medium. Yeah, yeah, because uh, in the past, sometimes I, I also was forcing myself when I, when, when I didn't feel uh, like uh, uh, to, to write music, but then I thought I have to write music and then I was forcing myself, never worked because then always that music was I was writing when I was forcing myself, sucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the next day I was listening to it, it sucked and I threw it away. And uh, yeah, so when, you, when, when there's a day that you don't feel like making music, then I, I do something else. There's always something that I feel like doing and then I just do what I feel like doing. And that's what I learned over all those years. Just, just do what makes you happy. And that's with everything in life. And that's also my life philosophy since I was a kid. I always did what, I, what makes me happy. So I, for example, when I had to, to choose what I wanted to study, I, I went with a study a psychology that, that really uh, interests me and fascinates me instead of an, uh, as, uh, as- Go get a job, kind that of. You, yeah, have a secure job. Because uh, some people said, you have to study economics because there's a, for sure a job. But I hate economics. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I always followed my intuition and, and that's the, the right thing to do. Because it, I know so many people, they, they, they study something because they, their father told them to do so and they are so unhappy. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that just doesn't work. And maybe they have a lot of money, but when you are unhappy, that it, then, then all this money is worth nothing. Yeah, I think that's the power of uh, uh, allowing your sort of creative impulses to flow is you can, you can yeah. quite literally push away uh, unhappiness. Yes, yeah. it does. It does. Yes, definitely. Because when I'm also when I'm making music, uh, my stress goes away, but then I'm in a, in a flow and my stress li literally disappears. So it's, it's like a kind of a therapy. Even. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, and it's amazing to find that in, uh, in your work. And yes, yes, I think most so, people can. Um, it just takes some uh, sort of cognitive rewiring, you know? Yeah, because many people, they have, they have a job that they don't actually like. So they, they have, after their, their work, they have to find ways to, to get rid of the stress. And, and when, when your work is actually your, your hobby, then, then you, you have fun in, in your work. And that's the best way. So I always uh, say to people, if you don't like a job, just quit it. Of course, it's, not e it's easier said than done mm -hmm. because they, they, they can name you 100 reasons why they cannot quit. But the people who actually did quit, they, they usually are the ones that, uh, that become happy <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Just patience, I guess. Patience and uh, yeah, just finding something where you can be present. That's something I've been thinking about a lot is... Uh, yeah, trying to get yeah, patience. It's right? a good word that you named there, because yeah. patience. Yeah, the, the, we were also not successful with Epica from day one on it. It, it took a lot, of, a lot of time, and and a lot of patience. If we would have to have given up after three years, we we would have never been where we are now. But uh, yeah, it's it's not easy to follow your sometimes follow, to follow your dreams, but eventually that's what what does make you happy. Yeah. Um, did you, did you, when you guys started Epica, did you know how big the audience for that kind of music was? Because when I went to your Spotify, I was, I was shocked. I had no idea uh, <laughs> that there was. Oh yeah, we had also no idea that. Uh, that, yeah. Like symphonic metal, if that's like, a, you know, it's kind of a good catch-all term, I guess, but. 
Yeah, yeah. When we started making this music, I, I had no idea how what the potential would be. Already when I started making this kind of music with After Forever, we we just did it because we loved it, and uh, that appeared to be the right approach. But uh, there were, I never thought about how what how, what kind of potential it had, because I truly believe if you do something with your whole heart, uh, then there is an audience for it, and uh, um, and I also actually. Even if the audience would be half, I would still be happy because we we can travel the world. Uh, of course, not at this point. Yeah. <laughs> due to some, we'll get back some, to it. Some it'll virus. come. Yeah, yeah, it will come back. But um, yeah, we could do whatever whatever we wanted. Uh, all our dreams came true, and uh, that's that's because we yeah we we followed our our true uh, dreams and. Uh, there's sometimes I talk to bands, they make actually music that they don't like. And I think like, why? I really don't get it. I really don't get it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't even, I don't know why you would do that, honestly. I mean, I guess if it pays the bills, but then it's, it is a, it's a creative job. So it's, you know. Maybe yeah, don't do but, it. but then after a while, they, 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 they start disliking playing their own music live. And, and if you make music that you don't really like and you, you start uh, disliking it a lot after a while of course you can do that for several years but not for for really longer than 10 years i think because then it does just doesn't work yeah um and that's the brings up something i've asked most artists i've talked to so far and it's just the the consciousness of of uh audience in the creative process um and you spoke on that a little bit but i'm curious if you have more thoughts on that how I, I suppose uh, you you inevitably develop a relationship with the audience yeah. while you're creating, especially after two, three, four, five records. Um, yeah. And and how do you how do you process that without uh, sort of getting lost in egotistical obsession with immediate feedback and such? <laughs> yeah, that is a good question, uh, and I. I, I try to keep the balance with that. So I, I read reactions about what people think, but if there are some uh, people that, uh, that uh, also that when they don't like something uh, then, and they have a good reason for that, I keep it in the back of my mind. But That's there's good. also people that just try out there to try to hurt you. And, and I learned over the years to, to just put that aside and uh, that it doesn't, doesn't touch me anymore. So I keep the balance with that. So I, I, I'm curious what people think. And I'm happy when, when people are loving it, but I'm also, it doesn't touch me if people hate it, for example. So, so I'm not affected by it too much. And uh, that's, the, I think, the, the, the best way to, to keep on going because the, first of all, the, the music has also to make us happy ourselves. So when we are happy with it, I found out that usually the, the vast majority of the fans is gonna be happy as well. Happy too. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the only way to do it. I think that's really the only way to do it, especially over time. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because if you listen to what, what certain people say and, and you go in a, in a certain direction just because other way from what you, from what you truly want to, want to do. Yeah. Uh, I think we are out of time. I think that's it. Cool. Cool. Uh, thanks, Ben. That was awesome. Uh, the new record is really good. I really like it. Um, thank you very much some of the catchier tunes i think yeah um, yeah we, strong we, hooks on the new album man yeah. cool i'm happy to hear that because that's what we try to achieve the balance between catchy hooks and uh, 
progressive elements and uh, yeah when you say that we uh, that it has the catchy hooks then uh, i'm happy to hear that <laughs> awesome cool yeah uh, all right man this has been a pleasure um yeah you, keep on rocking man yeah thanks cheers have a good day you too man bye-bye bye-bye